Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 40-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brook. When it comes to success in network marketing, who better to learn from than leaders who have actually done it? Listen as Richard interviews top leaders and gives you a behind-the-scenes look at how they did it. You'll get incredible tips and duplicable actions you can do right now to build your own four-year career. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's easy-to-use tools that will help propel your network marketing business to the next level at blissbusiness.com. Hey, everybody, Richard Blissbrook here for yet another Bliss Business Hero Call. This is Hero Call number 108. Over the last three years, I've interviewed 108 people that have crushed the four-year career, whether they even knew there was such a thing or not. They have gone about building their network marketing business the first two years, front recruiting, accelerating, getting momentum, getting their car over the hill, getting their plane to take off. And then they spent the next two or three or four years coaching and leading and nurturing. And now they've got a gigantic business. And today's guest, well, he's just plain famous. And I'll speak to how famous he is and the impact that he's had on my career. Uh, But first, disclaimer. So when we talk about interviewing heroes, we're talking about interviewing exceptional people. So the irony here is, I gotta tell you, don't try this at home, except that's what we're encouraging you to do is try this at home. Uh, But I guess what I wanna tell you is don't expect to go out and create the same results of the people that we interview here on the Hero Call because these are special, amazing, exceptional people. And we share these exceptional results so that you can establish the belief that whatever you want to do, you want to make $500 a month, you want to make $1,500 a month, you want to make $5,000 a month. When When we interview somebody like today's guest, when you see what he's done, you should be able to establish the belief that you can do whatever you want to do. So I'm going to get him on here so he can say hi, because I know he's chomping at the bit. This is none other than Tim Sales, who is in his very professional Larry King-ish studio outside Park City, Utah, where he's running a global empire. And uh, so, okay, Tim, say a few words, say hello. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna start this off by telling a little backstory about you and I. Okay, we'll do. Hello, everyone. I appreciate you tuning in. Um, I'm going to spend the entire interview basically undoing what he said in the preview, which is that I'm an exceptional person. That's what I'm now motivated to do. Good luck with that, Mr. (laughs) Uh, Not Very Exceptional Person. So uh, here's a couple of things I want to tell you about Steve Sales. There's not very many people in the network marketing industry that have been doing this as long as I have, uh, but Tim has. I, I remember, <laughs> gosh, I don't know, Tim's probably like 25, 30 years or so ago, you and I 
rendezvoused in Southern California. I don't know. Somebody was roping us into doing some kind of a infomercial or a recruiting video or some kind of industry documentary or something. You probably remember what it was. I don't remember. Uh, but that was a long time ago. And, you know, Tim is not only one of the most successful people in the history of network marketing, uh, started off in New Skin, rose to the level of, he'll give us the specifics, but something like Hawaiian Blue Diamond, which not very many of those in the world. Um, and he has an extraordinary background, like the kind of person you would not necessarily expect to uh, get involved in network marketing. He'll talk about that a little bit. But I think one of the most significant things that Tim has contributed to the network marketing profession uh, is something that, that has always been special to my heart because I've always been looking for ways to do that. Writing the four-year career was part of that. But Tim created the, the very famous, very influential program called Brilliant Compensation, which, gosh, I don't know, Tim, when was that? 25 years ago? Would have been 97. It was when I released that. Yeah. Okay. So 20 yeah. years ago, I, I would, I would guess that more people have enrolled in the network marketing profession worldwide by watching brilliant compensation than any other single generic tool that's ever created. I, I don't know if it's still out there and it's still used, but if you introduced it in 1997, Certainly for the next 10 years, that was the most popular generic educational tool for people to understand what is this model and how does it work and, and how can I make it work. And I just loved that program. It was very influential for me and, and I know people all over the world. Tim is a top leader, I suppose. So probably. You know, it's still rolling. Is like it it's, really? it's still running. We've got over 44 million views on that on the online version. Um, you know, there's a guy backstage one time. He said, uh, I was getting ready to go on and he was on, getting ready to go on as well. And he came over. He goes, I just want to shake your hand, man. You've, uh, you're responsible for the seven, over $7 million that I've made in the industry, you know? And I was like, yeah. What? Uh, gosh, give me some. <laughs> you know? Yeah, where's the half a percent override on that? Yeah. So. All right. Well, go check out, folks, brilliantcompensation.com because um, it'll, it'll give you a really good education on, on how this works. Tim is, I suppose, the top distributor in a company called Eric's, which has been around now for uh, about seven years. But we're going we're gonna to dive into his history and storytelling. So, Tim, let's start off with tell us who you were before network marketing, leading up to who introduced you to network marketing. And the name is not important. You can share it if you want. But what's more important is what was your relationship to the person that introduced you? And the last part of this three-part question is, if you can remember, what specifically did they say to you that compelled you to take a look? Hmm. Okay. Roger that. And uh, I can remember this, um, all of those, because it uh, is very important uh, pivot point in my life. Okay, so my background was defusing bombs. Uh, I went in the Navy right after I got out of high school. And then um, I, 
aspired to be, I saw these guys who were dressed in these shorts called UDT shorts and they had a knife hanging on their ankle and they had Ray-Ban sunglasses on, no shirt. And, uh, and I was just in the regular Navy and I looked and, and saw these guys diving on the side of the ship and I was like, man, I got to be one of those. And so I aspired and then uh, made it into that. Um, and it's going to be a very very important point throughout the entire theme of my interview, all right? Because I was an F minus student. I had no other choice but to go into the Navy, um, or I could work at Pruitt's, Pruitt's Food Town in my little town in Tennessee, um, and maybe I would graduate to produce department or something. I don't know, you know? And so I just didn't have anything else that I, I didn't have a plan because I literally, if I hadn't wrestled in high school, I probably would still be there. Um, and so um, I joined the Navy. I then went into spec ops, special operations. And then it was there that they taught me that there's nothing unknowable if you just drill it until you can't do it wrong. Notice I didn't say drill it until you do it right. Drill it until you can't do it wrong. And that is basically the whole motto. It's the culture, it's the creed we lived by. And so that was my life up until a point to where, gosh, you know, Richard doesn't, aren't women always right at the center of the pivot point? You know? <laughs> Um, so yeah. here I was, I was living the life. I'd been in the Navy maybe about 10 years or so. And I got to thinking, Hey man, I, I, uh, I'm, I, I, I want a wife and running around defusing bombs, jumping out of airplanes, diving to deep depths is not going to increase my chances. And I don't know anything at all about money. And so I took this course on board the USS Missouri. They used to fly in a professor. And uh, he was a retired guy. And, uh, and then he would give college courses. And I took a college course, and it had to do with finance. Personal finance was the name of the course. And so while I was on that, in that course, they were teaching you not how to, but they were teaching you that you should buy savings bonds, U.S. savings bonds, and that you should build credit, and you, you should buy a house and things like that. They didn't tell you how you were going to make the money to do that. They just said you need to. And, uh, but there was one comment that this guy, he was walking and I'll never forget him. So if, if you are watching this by chance, all I saw was the side of his head as he was walking towards one of the walls of the ship and he just tossed something over his shoulder and he said, if you want to make a lot of money, you either have to own it or sell it. And it was like a church bell ring in my ear. And I'll never forget that moment. I can picture right now where I was sitting on that ship. And there was only three people in the class. So, um, so it really rang loud to me. And, uh, and that was one of those, those primary things. Because the reason that I was taking that class is because I wanted to be an el eligible bachelor. Not just a bachelor, but an eligible <laughs> one. <laughs> you wanted and to be in demand. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, you know, I knew women, you know, like security is a big thing for women. And so I wanted to be that. And, um, and so uh, I got orders uh, out of the Persian Gulf back over into uh, onto the East Coast in Maryland. And, um, and it was there that I, I had bought, this is going to be funny for those of you who are older, 
uh, an Ed Beckley real estate, no money down course. <laughs> and <laughs> whatever happened and I, to him? I know. And, uh, and I went through that thing you know, 50 times, probably at least. And then I went out and I, I had a real estate agent. His name was Sonny Higgins. And, uh, and I just basically told him my plan. And his whole thing was you put out bids for 20% less than market value. That was the deal. And then if you got a motivated seller, then you would pick that up at 20%. You could flip it and make money. Okay, that was the plan. And so uh, that was real good and all until Sonny Higgins called me and he said, hey, Tim, we're on one caught. And, uh, and I said, awesome, I'll come over. He said, yeah, come on over and we'll crunch the numbers. I didn't know what that meant. And so uh, we sat down and he went through the escrow this and the title search that and the blah, 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 blah. And he uh, slid the paper over to me and he says, any problem coming up with that in, at the time of settlement? And I looked down at the number and I looked back at him. I was like, man, if I didn't eat nor drive my truck for the next three months, I might have $10 extra, right? But I eat a lot. So, <clears throat> so I, uh, I said, uh, no problem at all, sir. I just utterly lied right there. And I reached down, grabbed my helmet bag, and I picked up, and I walked out of the, the, uh, the thing. And Sonny goes, Tim, you all right? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Uh, I'll see you in three months, <laughs> right? I went straight to a, uh, like a, I don't even know if it was a 7-Eleven, but some kind of little store. I picked up the newspaper. What was I looking for? I was looking for one thing, something to sell. I knew I couldn't own anything that was way beyond my reach. And so I picked up something and I looked in the sales section and every single ad had the same thing, experience required. I didn't have any. Even though my last name was sales, I didn't know a single thing about sales, all right? <clears throat> so um, I was running through the ads and there was one ad that caught my eye, one. It was the only one that had a phrase, two words that said, will train. It didn't say wow. expense required, will train. All right, that rang, right? Why did that ring? Because if you drill it until you can't do it wrong, you can learn anything in life. That's why. And so I said, you mean to tell me somebody's gonna teach me how to do this? I'm all in. And so I called the guy, um, left a message for him. I said, hi, my name is Tim Sales. I, uh, re I'm responding to your ad, I'm your man. That's exactly what I said. He called me back promptly. We set an appointment. I drove an hour and a half to his house uh, up in Vienna, Virginia, or something like that, and um, Alexandria. And so I, I sat down with him, and he showed me a whole bunch of skincare products. And I sat there looking at it. I felt my face, like, turn red um, because I was like, oh, my gosh, what I get into <laughs> selling skincare? Are you kidding me? Um, and so... Um, I was trying to bow out of it because he was telling me I was going to have to buy this kit. And, um, and I didn't have the money to go to settlement, let alone money to buy this thing. And so, uh, so I just basically said, no, no, thanks. This isn't what I'm looking for. I came here to make money, not spend money. Mm -hmm. And so I left, I went off to Boston. I did a, a, a course on radiography. I came back and I had a message from him at my shop. And he said, uh, hey, I just wanted to follow up with you. And, and I said, no, this, just consider this a courtesy call. You know, I, uh, I, uh, I can't do that. And he said, why not? And, he, and I said, well, because I can't afford it. And he goes, how long have you been saying that? That one pierced me, Richard. It pierced my heart. It cut me where I hurt the most and I bled the most.
And so, um, <clears throat> and I said, uh, that's pretty rude, man. And uh, he said, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just trying to assist you in this journey of yours. And so uh, he said, come up here. I figured out a way that you can get in for free. And so uh, I drove all the way back, hour and a half, sat down with him. And he showed me that if I bought five of these kits and sold them to five people, then the profit that I would make between the wholesale and the retail would get my kit for free. And he was right. new skin. He's new skin. And, and so what, I, uh, what rank was he? Um, I think he was an Emerald executive. Okay. <clears throat> and I literally, when I figured out what he had come up with, I literally leaned over. He was sitting on the, I was sitting on the couch. He was sitting in a chair, cuff table in between us. And I just leaned forward. And I go, do I have stupid written right there? <laughs> and he said, no. You were a nasty prospect, weren't you? Dude, that was such a, by the way, if any of you see me looking that direction, that's where Richard is on the monitor. Um, and I said, yeah, well, Richard, at that time, buddy, I was, uh, if you just, spec ops is spec ops. We're not, right. it was kind of like that television interview where they ask a Navy SEAL. She said, um, she said, do you speak foreign languages? And he goes, we're not there to talk. <laughs> <laughs> gullible so, gets you dead doesn't it that's right so um <clears throat> so i did i um he then hit me so hard richard and um and i'm and i'm giving you these precise things because sometimes you'll get a very bold person and they you know like they uh they might be a little rough but but their power can be diverted into something good. And so I was tough. I was rough with him. And I, and when I said, do, do I have stupid written on my forehead? And he said, uh, he goes, uh, no, I don't think you're stupid at all. And he said, um, he goes, <clears throat> but your barrier was that you didn't have the money to do that. And so I'm giving you a way out of that. And I said, yeah, but I didn't have the money for one kit, let alone five kits. And he said, but you're going to sell those. And I said, but what if I don't? And he goes, oh, that's a whole nother conversation. If you don't think you can find five people, you shouldn't be here. Okay, now I'm like sitting all alone on that couch. It was a big couch now. I'm like, oh, so it was whether or not I believed that I could do it. He and challenged I said, your manhood. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Every bit of it. Selling skincare All right. to nothing well, but men because I didn't have any other friends. <laughs> let, um, let's let's fast forward into New Skin. Okay. What did you build there just to give people some perspective of the value of a prospect that how I put it is the the prospect that tells you no and means it, they just have conviction. So once they decide the answer is yes, they're also not easily talked out. You know, the, the person that's easily talked into building with you, they're also easily talked out of it. So treasure the people that have conviction of their values and their position because when you do get them involved, if they decide to get involved, 
they're also the ones that won't listen to people telling them it won't work. So I attribute a lot of your success to that conviction, that resolve, not easily swayed. What did you go do with it in New Skin over the next, what, 10 years? <clears throat> well, it was really just uh, five years. Five. Yeah. So, um, well, true to his word, um, I put a big uh, threat on him before I threw my credit card down. I said to him, I said, look, in every operation I've ever been in the military, it's always uh, real cool the way that we get in to an operation, but coming home is always a problem. And, uh, and so the opportunity pitch that you've given me sounds wonderful and everything, but I need to make sure that I've, uh, I've covered my escape. And so tell me every single thing that can happen bad. And he did. He did. And to this day, there's not been a single thing that he didn't warn me about. And my answer to everything, he would say something like, you're going to invite somebody to come and look at something, they're not going to show up. And right. I go, then what do you do? And he would say, well, you just find another prospect. And he basically gave me about eight of those. And every answer was the same thing. You just get another prospect. And so what he was talking about rejection, I was like, that's not rejection. When people are shooting at you, that's rejection, right? Somebody says, no, are you kidding? That's not hurt. And so, uh, so <clears throat> just to give him credit, his name was Rick Mayo. He gave me an honest presentation and I forever thanked him for, thank him for that. Um, okay, so once I got started, he really hunk hunkered down with me and trained. And, um, and so uh, I sponsored uh, 28 people in my first month. Wow. I did go to settlement. I did get that house. It turned into the biggest crack house in Maryland. I rented it out. <laughs> Ed Beckley didn't warn me about that one. Um, and so um, I didn't really even understand network marketing. I thought Amway was a train, Amtrak, Amway. I, you know, I remember some boys that are some people who rolled up to my house when I was a young boy, and my mom would buy these little blue cars um, that had the trunk that would unscrew, and it had foo-foo juice in it. And so uh, that was the only thing that I knew that was an Avon product. Um, and so... I really didn't know what I was doing. I just sold skincare kits is what I did. But there was one lady, Bonnie Agostino. She was a real estate agent and she started building a business. And when I got a check later, like a month later, I was like, something's wrong, right? I'm not supposed to, to get this. And, um, and so I called the company and they told me, no, that's somebody in your organization. And, and I called Bonnie and I said, what are you doing? Why am I still getting paid from you? And, uh, and Bonnie explained it. She had had a prior experience in Amway. And Bonnie explained it to me in terms of like how to build. Rick Mayo was a salesman. And he was basically teaching me how to sell a skincare kit is what he was teaching me. Right. So that was uh, that. Was that. <clears throat> and then once I figured the game out, uh, then I began to recruit I began to train those people that I had sold the skincare kit to, um, you know, like most, I, I think there was none of those original ones uh, that ever took off. Uh, I began to run ads just like he had done. 
And then from that, I begin to um, tweak it a little bit more towards looking for people who um, wanted to sell, who wanted to build an organization. And, uh, and I, I would go knees to knees with people and drill them on basically how to communicate about the product, how to communicate about uh, the business side of it. And, uh, and so it took me about, um, I don't know, six months, seven months, because uh, New Skin's comp plan, there's a long, long runway, and it's a dry ride um, until you hit this executive rank, and then you get your first executive check. And so, uh, so I had doubled my military income in that six months, by my sixth month. It's not accumulation of six months, but in the sixth month. I doubled my, my income that had taken me 11 years in the military to earn. And so then, uh, then I went on, uh, by the end of my first years at 20,000 a month. And then, um, then we hit, uh, oh, it was uh, 56 by the second year. And then we hit the media blitz where nine attorney generals were attacking the company for being an illegal pyramid scheme. My check went from 16, or 60, 64 to 16,000 very quickly, <laughs> a, lot, <laughs> a lot faster than it took to build it. And then um, uh, everybody, you know, even myself, I was just laying in a corner in a fetal position, sucking my thumb because just waiting on this like carpet bomb to stop the bombing, right? It's just like boom, 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 every single thing in the media was new skin, illegal pyramid scheme, action imminent, blah, blah, blah. And so uh, I wondered, is it a pyramid scheme? I mean, I honestly did, Richard. I was like, I don't know. You know, if all these attorney generals are saying it is, maybe it is. Um, and so, uh, so I then, you know, with the decimated organization that I had, I just started all over again, really. And, um, and then I built it to over 150 in the next a month over the next three years. Yeah, I remember and, uh, when you did that, when you did that yeah. rebuild. So something I wanna isolate, Tim, is that I think it's just so important for people is you went from selling kits to the language I would use is recruiting recruiters. Hmm. Like, a Dor was her name Dorothy? Bonnie Agostino. Bonnie. So Bonnie sounds like gave you the distinction of between direct selling and network marketing. That the Correct. idea in network marketing is that everybody gets to build a sales team from day one, everyone. And the way you build sales volume and income is to let that exponential growth work by recruiting people who get the vision of recruiting people so that you create the depth of the organization. So, so can you can you give us a sense of so another thing you said that was really important? I think you said the first twenty nine people you sold kits to, nothing happened with them. Twenty eight, twenty eight people, and um, they they loved the product, but it was one of those uh, was Bonnie Agostino. Ah, uh, what did Bonnie build? She had built uh, Amway before, and then so she began to build, and I would say she. Uh, I remember us doing a, uh, an in-home that had about 40 people in it. So it had built up to about 40 people in an in-home. Um, 
and then um yeah so that was the that was the maximum i remember that particular leg running right okay so then you you got hit with the media that got decimated you rebuilt it to an extraordinary income and then as i recall you you kind of retired from new skin and you focused on brilliant compensation how no, long was that no, run? Was no, that no, no, no. I, I didn't focus on brilliant conversation. I focused on doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> How long did you focus on doing uh, that, nothing? That was that uh, eligible bachelor. And oh. uh, yeah, I, I thought I'd find them on, uh, on cruise ships and things like that. But uh, everybody was, uh, was old on the cruise ships. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. So I was more or less just, uh, playing golf all the time and just really, really retired. And I was like, you go from jumping out of airplanes and defusing bombs to traveling around the world, doing business meetings and things like that. And then to nothing. Like I, I literally changed my phone number. I changed my email address, everything. Nobody could reach me in any direction. Wow. I never went to a convention. I never went to a single thing. Um, because Hello. when I rebuilt, this is very important, Richard. When I rebuilt, I said, if you, you know, if you've seen any of my videos other than that, um, you'll notice something that I really can articulate the industry. And the reason that I can articulate the industry, had I not gotten slammed by nine attorney generals, then I would have never sharpened the saw to be able to do that. Right? right, because I ended up going straight to the Federal Trade Commission and I looked at case laws, I, I studied, I, I drilled it to where I now knew as much as a typical attorney walking into the, uh, the room, I knew that it was legal and it was legit. And it can be illegal, just like driving a car is legal. However, you can you know, like get pulled over, you can go to jail for drinking and driving, drinking and driving or driving under the influence, you can go to jail for speeding. So yeah, anything can be almost illegal. So, um, so I really honed my skills during that time. And that was the reason that I now can articulate the industry. Had I not had that, it wouldn't happen. So that's when I wrote Brilliant Compensation was in my boredom in retirement. I was like, you know, man, I, uh, and I, I wrote it. Um, I had no idea if two people would buy it, right? It was more just writing up the some, I don't know, 5,000 presentations that I had done one-on-ones to different people all over the country and how I built. I had polished a conversation because I'd sat in front of so many prospects and I knew the moment that they would say, oh, it's one of those pyramid schemes. Oh, it's one of those things like Amway. Oh, it's one of those. And I had it so down that I just basically wrote it down and, uh, and recorded it. That's what brilliant compensation was. It's just me kind of missing the industry, but not really wanting to go back and build a new line, but missing the industry and just thought, you know what, I'll just write up the thing. And, um, you know, was really utterly shocked that, yeah, you know, it, it, it sold okay. 40,000 or something like that in the first month. And um, it was big. All right. Let's fast yeah. forward to Eric's before we run out of time. 
Because you, yeah. you got some great build stats for Eric. So you and Fred Cooper and some other people launched this company seven years ago? Yep. And your role is basically go build it, right? Oh, yeah. You're the, that was you're day the- one where <laughs> I was sitting on the couch with my wife. I'm like, yeah, I'm at the top <laughs> of nothing. <laughs> right. You're at the top of nothing, and now you got to go build something. Yeah. So let's talk about what you built. So an important part of every hero call is we like to drill into people's stats. And, and I realize audience, Tim has lots of experience, lots of success. And so you may look at his stats and you may say, well, this doesn't have anything to do with me. And then you won't learn anything. So learn something from his stats. So normally people are going to build something like what Tim has built. You're going to have to personally go out and personally enroll 80 to 100 people your first couple of years. And the reason you're going to have to enroll so many people is you, you don't have the leadership skills, the distinctions, the coaching ability in network marketing that Tim does. And so you really have to recruit a lot of people until you find people that can almost do it on their own. And I think one of the things that Tim has brought to his build at Eric's is that he has the ability to not only sort through who to sponsor, so he's not just sponsoring anyone, but he's almost probably interviewing people before he enrolls them. He doesn't want to waste time with people he knows aren't going to make it. And then people that do say yes, he really knows how to coach them to be successful. So his ratios are off the chart in terms of how many people he sponsored and, and what that's created. So the first thing I want to uh, speak to, Tim, is your first year in Eric's, you said you personally enrolled about 20 people. And the second year and the third and the fourth and about every year after you've enrolled 10 people. And I know each year, and I know people will look at that and go, well, how could you have built such a huge business enrolling so few people? And I don't really want to encourage people to go enroll fewer people because they don't have the skills that you did. But I do want to shine light on how have you gotten away with sponsoring so few people? What are the skills, the art, the distinctions that you've brought to enrolling so that you know who to enroll and who to just let be a customer? And then once somebody does raise their hand and say, okay, I'll do this, what do you do with them to ensure their success? Beautiful. Okay. Do you mind if I throw something up here on the board? Please. I'm dying to see that jam board at work. Okay. All right. So um, I kind of figured a couple of questions might come up. And over the years, Richard, I have accumulated a lot of data. And from that, I have gridded out behaviors that occur. And, you know, like this is a grade that if you were in school, then it'd be an F, it'd be a D, it'd be a C, be a, be a B or an A. And this is the ability. And so if somebody is bad, then that would be an F student in school, 
And what are they going to do to relationships? Well, they're unprofessional. They're going to damage relationships. They're going to state falsehoods. In other words, they're going to lie. They're going to make income claims, product claims, all kinds of stuff. They're likely to spam, spam your social media, spam everything else. And that is what a lot of the noise around network marketing, it's who's generating it. You won't find me and Richard doing these behaviors. All right. And so that's what I don't want. Okay. Um, their activity low is very sporadic uh, or low. Their knowledge level is low. They don't make money. They lose money. And this is the fundamental that I'm after. What is their interest in training? There's not a single person who doesn't get better if they're trained right. If you want to cook, get trained. If you want to fish, get trained. If you want to skydive, get trained. If you want to anything in the world. And so I can't help a person who lacks training interest. And so if I say, hey, I want you to take a look at this video and then you and I can talk afterwards. If I get on the phone with a guy and he did not watch the video, I know <laughs> he's at least over here in the first two categories. Right. right. And he's now going to have to really shape up. Right. He's going to have to really prove to me that that he will do better. OK. Uh, so then the mediocre person is D. They most they're mostly unprofessional. They harm. They create that strain. It's strain in a relationship at Thanksgiving dinner. They're the person who says, oh, you're still on a J-O-B, huh? <laughs> Journey of the broke. You know, that stupid stuff that creates an awkward strain with, with family members and, and brother-in-laws and things like that. Uh, so they, they create that strain. They provoke trouble in the organization. I've seen it and I knew it earlier, but then I documented it along the way. And so they're, they're very rarely going to make anywhere upwards of $10,000. Um, and then, then it goes on up. And so the point I wanted to make here is one simple thing. And that is training interest. I cannot train someone who has no interest in training. So when they won't show up to uh, an event, when they don't show up to meetings, when they don't come on the webinars, when they don't, do I can't help them. If so somebody is devoted to training, and they understand that that's the only way to get better at anything, well, then I'm all in. Right. That's so, the reason that I can get away with uh, so few numbers. So one of the things I see you doing there, Tim, which is I, I just see is absolutely brilliant, is, um, you know, when we offer people this opportunity, because it's such an extraordinary opportunity, the first people that show up are the people that very easily say, oh yeah, I'm in, I want, I want that car, I want that trip, I want that recognition, I want that income. And one of the things that we learn after getting beat up doing this for decades is what people say oftentimes has very little to do with their commitment to actually follow through and do. 
And so in the beginning, when we're a new leader, a new builder, you know, we get somebody who says, oh yeah, I want to do this. This sounds awesome. Well, we get these endorphins, right? We get this huge high. We get addicted to hearing that because we hear the no so often. And so when somebody says, oh, I want to do that, we don't want them to go away. The last thing we want is for them to go away. So we tend to coddle them and we tend to believe everything they say, even though months and months and months go by and they've never done anything. So I think one of the things that you and I have learned to do is test people early on. Do they have a powerful relationship with their word? Do they have integrity or are they full of it? And one of the ways you can do that is just like you said, here's a video to watch. Will you watch this in the next couple of days? Easy for somebody to say, oh, sure, Tim, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm all, oh, is this training, Tim? Is this UT? Oh, I'm going to watch that video. And then what I want you to speak to, because I teed this up for you, is like the distinction between the people that say they're going to watch it and the ones that watch it. it. It really tells us who to work with, right? Utterly. Okay, I'm going to go back to Rick Mayo, because when I answered the ad, he said, uh, I'm going to send you a video. And uh, you got to go back to 1989, all right? A video was a VHS thing. They don't really have VHS players in the Navy <laughs> barracks, okay? Right, you had to go find <laughs> and one. So, and so I tried to duck this thing. I said, uh, I go, why don't you just tell me what it is? And he said, no, I want to I send you this video. And... Um, and I kept trying to dodge it, but there was no other way. And so when he sent it to me, I was hoping that there would be a brochure or something in there, but there wasn't. And so I had no other choice. I had to figure it out. And so I went to Montgomery Ward Shopping Center, and I took that VHS video inside up to the electronic section, and I put it in one of the VCR players, and it came across like all the screens, and me and the salesman kind of backed up, and we're like looking at this thing, and I watched that 35-minute video sitting there in Montgomery Ward Shopping Center, and, um, and that is, and then I drove an hour and a half to his house twice. The point I'm making is, is that I wasn't messing around. Yeah. Like I did what I said I was going to do. And even though I didn't have, I couldn't have, how could I have an excuse for not watching the video? How could I tell this man, I didn't watch your video, right? How could I do that? That would be like, well, my dad would yeah. smack me. <laughs> you, you couldn't do that, Tim, because flakes aren't Navy SEALs, but Flakes are an epidemic in our society, and I don't mean that tritely. I just mean that what is a flake? Well, probably pretty simply, somebody who says they're going to do something, but they don't have any relationship at all with their word. And just as casually as they say, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, they figure out how it's no longer a great idea, and they don't do it. Doesn't make them a bad person, just doesn't make them a good investment of our time for building a multi-million dollar sales team right because we've only got so much time it's a hundred percent and every time somebody will say oh so few people make it in network marketing and i'm like is that really the network marketing industry's fault or is it the degradation of mankind 
Right. <laughs> yeah. Work. How about work ethic? Like, what does right. this? What is? What does it really say? Right. Yeah. What, and, uh, what, what percentage of the people that have ever joined the military become a Navy SEAL? Um, well, very, very few. Um, like, very few because <laughs> they show this recruiting video and they're beating the heck out of these guys. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just horrible. And we're, they're shown, you sh you're shown this in boot camp and you're sitting there watching this. And then there's this sign-up table in the back of the room and of a company uh, like the, 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 in the military, a certain size of a group is called a company. And, uh, and the whole company, I'm, I'm sitting there watching this thing. And then the, I walk back to the table. And I was the only guy out of my class, my company, that walked over there. And when I got back into the barracks room, the guys were like, are you some kind of idiot? Did you not see that? You know, and I'm like, I just looks cool to me. You know, like, <laughs> did you see them stand up after they actually accomplished it? Did you see the, the look in their eyes of how proud they were? And they're like, no, they had me at the buried in the, in the sand thing, you know, or whatever. Right. So that, that might be a clue about changing our recruiting videos to yeah, yeah. showing people like what, what it's really like as opposed to the fancy cars and the trips. So yeah. one, one of the things I want to get to, Tim, um, yeah. so that we get your stats in this whole interview is what those 20 people your first year and then 10 people a year for the next three or four years in Eric's has turned into. So I have those numbers. You personally sponsored 74 people into Eric's. In seven years, yeah. Yeah, in seven years. Um, you have eight of those 74, so uh, a little over 10%, 13 14%, which is a very high percentage of them that are standalone, on their own initiative, leaders, building. Runaway leg. Yep, runaway legs, which is that's the only way you get freedom is build those so you got eight of them which is about twice as many as most people in the entire network marketing profession that are making a hundred grand a month or more you've got twice as many legs that are runaway legs and you have personally enrolled about a third of what other people have you've got um 32,000 active people on your team that you can see. So I realize you can't see everybody with your comp plan in your back office. That's 32,000 active people that are getting a commission. Correct. That's different than ordering product. That's right. That, that would fit into another category of preferred customers. Yeah. Uh, but they have, is, to, they have to relinquish in our company and, um, in RX, they have to relinquish that they are there to earn commissions. Uh, if they don't do any activity, if they do no activities towards it, then they relinquish that. that yeah, they, be, they basically status. become a customer. Yeah, we, we basically send them and say, you know, we're going to, we don't say we're going to demote you. We're, it's, you know, it's just saying. You're released. You know, like, You're released. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. So what has that turned into in seven years? A sales organization that does $200 million a year, 32,000 active commissionable people, $200 million a year. So do the math on that in terms of the exponential growth from the 74 
74 people in seven years into a business doing $200 million a year. But one of the things Tim and I wanted to highlight in his stats, which is really success, exceptional, are the number of people on Tim's team that are at a higher rank than he is, which you may wonder, well, how is that possible? Well, you know, rank has to do with structure and what your sales are and the first number of levels and how many wide you are. And so check this out, folks. He's got 30 people that are ranked higher than he is, 36 people that are ranked the same rank and he, that he is, 87 that are one rank below him, 200, 379 that are two ranks below him, and 1,812 that are three ranks below him. And the average income of those people is a quarter million dollars a year. So, you know, I think the, 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 one, one, the one that was two levels below. Yeah, it's a quarter million a year. Yeah, it's a quarter million a year. You got 1,800 of those. So I think, you know, the number one message that Tim Sales can bring to all of us, which you said it in the beginning of this interview, Tim, you said this theme is going to run throughout the interview. And that is that, you know, you can train to do anything, train it until you can't do it wrong. That's an interesting way of putting it. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's one of the things that's just missing for people in our profession is that they go about it casually. They quit way before they have any level of competency at all. So there's no way they can have a predictable result. And the last thing I want you to speak to is, you know, why is it that people don't do the work? They don't allow themselves to be trained. They don't dedicate themselves to be training. They don't sharpen the ax or the saw over and over again. They don't apply themselves to this opportunity, even remotely at the same level that they probably applied themselves to their full-time job, which is obviously not serving them at a high enough level or they wouldn't be looking for another opportunity. Yet they get in this and, and here's, the, here's what I found and I want you to speak to it. I found it's not that they're not that they don't have integrity or that, that they're bad people or they're lazy or any of that, is that they don't believe that the work is worth it. They mm. don't have a vision and a level of belief about the payoffs, about forget about making $100,000 a month. What if some company just sent you five or $10,000 a month for the rest of your life? What would you be willing to do to get that? So how, my question to you is, how have you instilled as a training module in your team members the belief, the expectation that the work is worth the effort, that the payoff is worth the effort, that the work is worth it? You mm -hmm. must have some systems for that. What are they? You bet. And this is... Uh... Richard, your questions are, are brilliant, really and truly. And so for everybody who's tuning in to his shows, um, I just want to like reverse 
this whole view that you're, you're looking at me and, and he is uh, extracting out the key things, right? And um, because, um, okay, so I, so thank you, Richard, for your contribution to the industry, sir. You're welcome, sir. Really, really and truly. Um, so I'm going to do an odd thing here, all right? And what it is, is I'm going to hit this thing. And um, there's a gentleman who created a very uh, story about network marketing. He was in New Skin just like me. Uh, he failed at it and he quit. And then he went on to use his PhD to write a negative article. Um, and somehow he got positioned on the FTC website. <laughs> like, how do you get that kind of positioning? And why didn't Brilliant Compensation make it there? Right. Um, so uh, he stated that 95% of everybody in network marketing quits. And 5%, I don't, I, he, he, he uses it in a couple of different ways. And only 0.15 is going to reach the top. Okay. That's what he said. Right. And, um, and everybody just because the document was so big thought it was the truth. I have a data scientist that I had look at it and he says it's utterly BS, Tim. And he goes, I, in, in, you know, he in his time invited this gentleman to come out and look at the real data because he was using algebra and he was goofing it all up because the statistics are not that. But to me, Richard, I did not care what the statistics are. I never compare myself to quitters. Who would do that? If somebody says you're 95% you're fail, I would say, who cares? Like, <laughs> like, you know, my wife, I don't know how many guys tried to get her. I don't care, right? <laughs> um, let me figure out what they did to blow it and make sure I don't do that, right? Um, and so the only value of any statistic in the world is for you to split the thing open, zero in on what they did and say, how, what are the steps? Okay. And there was some guy who put a post in on my network marketing power site and he made this comment and he goes, it is a mathematical certainty that 95% will fail. And I said, Oh really? Uh, so how, how does math decide if I'm going to be here or I'm going to be here? How does math do that? I have, I have a say. I have a vote, right? And so it would be mathematically or statistically impossible for me to do it in two companies, right? If it was a mathematical right. certainty. Right. If only 0.15% did it, then it would be impossible, okay? So... I split it open and I'm going to share it with everybody. There's no secret to how I build. Okay. The business comes down. And by the way, when I was looking and I remember there was a gentleman by the name of Dr. Hung Tai Wong. He was an NIH researcher and, I, and my, my sponsor brought me to a meeting to show me what network marketing was. And I sat there and this man was making over $80,000 a month. And I remember sitting there and in my head, I just did the math of what that means a year. And I was like, what? And then I thought, why 
get good at something that doesn't make you $80,000 a month, right? Like, what a waste of time. In other words, if, if you're going to go get a job, let's say, can it ever make you $80,000 a month? No. Um, if, if, in other words, it, Richard blows my mind. It blows my mind, okay? And so it took me uh, probably about six months for me to really figure out the variables, okay? Every art, every profession, everything in this world has a few fundamentals. And, you know, there is the front kick, there's a front punch, there's a side kick. Like, there's certain moves in karate that you have to drill until you can't get it wrong. I find that people will drill scrolling on Facebook and call it <laughs> business. <laughs> okay? So the, this is the pipeline. And it goes from left side to right side. For those of you who are on audio, I'm going to say it. So the one step, and I don't care how many, how, how you do it, the first step is you got to generate leads. Okay, you can open up your phone and find leads. You can go on to Facebook and find leads. My gosh, there are billions and billions of people. Don't say, I don't know anybody. Go meet some, okay? Generate leads. I don't care how you do it. Next is you got to contact them. My wife, she prefers to instant message them through Facebook. Okay, great. I don't. I like to pick up the phone and I want to hear them. I want to get into their life. I want to know why they want to do this. I want to know um, their attitude about life. Are they blaming other people for their failures? Are they blaming, if they're in the blame stage, man, once you crank up that blame machine, you can't turn it off. You know, if you've got an excuse, you got all you need. And it doesn't matter how lame that excuse is. You can't succeed if you have excuses. And so I want to hear it. But I don't care how you contact them. You just got to contact people. You set an appointment. For what? To see a presentation. I don't care if it's a video presentation. I don't care if it's a one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. I don't care if it's a Zoom call. It doesn't matter. Okay? And then after that, you're going to follow up with that person until they say no or yes. And if they say yes, you're going to follow through with that person. And follow through means whatever it was when you talked to them, what did they say they wanted? If they want to lose weight, you don't sell them a product. You make sure they lose weight. You, if you talk to them and they said they want to retire, uh, have $2,000 a month or whatever it is, you follow through, right? And this pipeline creates customers and reps. And the first thing somebody always says to me is, Tim, what do you do? Well, <laughs> you just go right back and you teach them how you know how to generate leads, contacts, appointments, presentations, follow up. That's all there is. Now, I have people on my team that generate leads in different ways. They, there's a Lamborghini group, and they just roll up with Lamborghinis to a nightclub, and all of the girls get out in their long dresses, and the guys get out with their, with their really nice watches and things like that. That's a culture that they created, and they've got 20-something Lamborghinis that roll up into a bar, and everybody's like, man, who are you guys, right? And so that is their recruiting technique to generate leads. It doesn't matter how you play that game. You just got to play that game. All right. As soon as I do that, okay, now I'm going to get a blank one here. Uh, all I do, and Richard, and this is going to matter to 
how your company pays. All right. And so the way that I build, I couldn't have done this in Newskin, but this is the way that I build an RX. Okay. And so I just basically stack straight down until I find somebody who finishes the line. And I've done it eight times. Right. Yes. That's the whole game that I play. Right. And then as soon as that's done, I'll go over here. In other words, I'm a very focused person. Uh, I'm not going to go out here and create 10 children that I've got to somehow, please, I can't right. do it. And so Your compensation I, plan allows you to do that. That's right. And yeah. so I can also go wide if I want to, but I have just continually gone deep on eight lines. Yeah. And in and, and New Skin, I wasn't, yes, I was a Hawaiian blue diamond, but I had like four real lines that, that were were strong, but the rest of them were not. So I think what I hear you saying, Tim, which um, like is so profound and the reason why you're so successful as an upline mentor and coach is that, yeah, the stats probably are that 95% of the people that raise their hand and say, yeah, I want to make money in network marketing. If you track them for two or three years, they haven't made any money. Most of them have quit. And 5% maybe made a little bit of money, 0.1% hit the top of the comp plan. I think the distinction there is that may be the stats forensically looking in hindsight. But what you're saying is if you want to be part of the one-tenth or one-one-hundredth of 1%, if you want to hit the top of the comp plan, there is a formula for that. There is an art that you can master. There is training that will teach you how to do it. And anybody who follows the formula can expect to eventually crush the numbers, right? 100% Richard. And, you know, and I forgive you for the way that you started this call with a legal disclaimer. Um, to me, there is no such thing as somebody who can't do this. There's only people who won't do this. Yes, there you this go. is not difficult. I didn't say it was simple. It was really, really hard because I was the shyest person, the quietest person. I mean, who sits in the corner and figures out booby traps? Come on. It's not a social guy. And so I had to get myself outside of myself. I said, who do I have to become in order to make $80,000 a month like Hung Tai did? That's all that I kept thinking. And it says, okay, if I've got to learn to talk to people on the street, I'll talk to people on the street. I'll, I'll figure out how to do that uh, because okay. I didn't have money. And the rule is, is that if you don't have money to generate leads, then you have to go to them. And then yeah. that's why you will be very frugal if you do it that way. Cause I became very frugal with my money. Um, one's because, you know, when your check drops from 65 to 16, there's a humble day there and you say, I'll never do this again. <laughs> So here's the last thing I want you to speak to. So, okay. you know, I think the, the way we've been beaten up with these, um, you know, the statistics that most people don't succeed, therefore, I think it's the therefore that's abusive is these experts, whether it's the regulators or the media or the pundits that don't understand what we do and don't like what we do, they, they spout the forensic data Sure, 95% fail, but then they add this abusive bridge 
this interpretation, which is therefore, no one should attempt it. And I had um, lunch with one of these negative advocates uh, last year, one of the most powerful negative advocates, and she's a woman. And I asked her, I said, I, I want to ask you a question, Bonnie. And she's, she's actually, a, she's, she's a great lady. She's very smart. She has the public's best interest in mind. She just does not understand what we do. I asked her, I said, Bonnie, I want you to imagine that your daughter declared to you at age seven, mommy, I want to be a gold medal Olympic gymnast. What would be your response? Would it be to pull out the forensic stats on what percentage of seven-year-olds ever go on to win a gold medal in, gymna in gymnastics? Or would it be to tell her, honey, you can do whatever you want to do? And then if she was serious about it, would you help her find the best coaches? Would you encourage her to do the work that gold medal gymnasts do? Which path would you take? And when you were showing that 95%, 5%, like, you get to choose. You get a vote. So what would you, what's the last thing you would tell somebody, Tim, as we put icing on this cake? I know I could interview you for eight consecutive hours. <laughs> um, and then we'd have fun the whole time. We would. What's the last thing you would tell somebody? Because most of the people listening to these interviews, they're not crushing it. They're struggling. They okay. want it. They go to events. You know, they use the products. They talk to people whenever they feel like it. And it's yep. not happening for them. If you were the last voice in the wilderness they were ever going to hear, like your message right now for the next two minutes makes them or break them. They don't ever get to listen to another encouraging word in the rest of their network marketing career. No pressure. You're it. You're <laughs> it. Well, you like pressure. I can handle it. What would you tell them? Okay. I would say number one, just because people out there are saying things about the industry, there are antis everything. And normally the only time that they're attacking and there's only six real anti-network marketers, but their content gets syndicated. So number one, don't compare yourself to people who fail. All right. That's number one. Number two, get the right order of magnitude. In other words, I'm not telling you to change your attitude. I'm saying get the right magnitude. Okay? So right now, if you are 60 years old, I'm just about three years shy, <laughs> then if I want to live on $40,000 a year for the rest of my life, then I need a million dollars in savings. If I want to live on $200,000 a year, then I need $5 million in savings. And I can live on that money for 24 years. Those are the stats. Okay? 
So get the right order of magnitude. You need a million bucks in the bank or $5 million if you actually want a life. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, nope, let me go over here. Number two, it ain't that great out there. Okay, <laughs> really look at it. For 60% of the U.S. population, they have not had a paycheck since 1980. Okay, when I say not a paycheck, not a pay raise. Yes, they had little tiny 2% bumps or 1% bumps or something like that, but it didn't keep up with inflation. And so they've been broke since the 1980s. They have not had a pay raise, all right? Only the people who earn in excess of about $150,000 a year have actually had a pay increase, okay? So it ain't so pretty out there. And this right here, sixty-five, $65 billion we as taxpayers give people who are on food stamps. And did you know that 33,000 of them have a PhD? That 293,000 of them have a master's degree? That there are more than 5,000 janitors with a PhD? There's more than 482,000 customer service representatives out there who have a PhD or a master's degree? And it goes on and on. This is a whole lot of people. They're working at like, they're waiters. They're, they're different people. So quit looking at different groups and saying they've got it figured out because nobody's got it figured out. If you watch that video that I did with a data scientist, he said the rule is always the same that there are 80% who do very little and 20% who do the absolute most. That's across the board. And he said that statistically, he can prove without any question that if you decided you wanted to go be the CEO of GE to make $2 million or $5 million a year, it's easier in network marketing. If you decided that you wanted to be a middle manager at GE or Microsoft or Apple, it's actually easier to do it in network marketing to get the same level of income because you'd have to go through that college education. You'd have to go through these things and it's easier. You'd have to network. run the political gauntlet in all of those companies. <laughs> That's exactly right. Okay. All right. So let's now zero in and say it's simply, this is IRS data. People who get a W-2, all right, this right here are the number of people who get, and for those of you who are listening, I'll try my best to explain this as opposed to watching it, is, is that the IRS puts out this piece of information, which is how much income is coming from 1099. In other words, partnerships and S corporations and things like that. In other words, business ownerships. And versus the W-2, which is an employee uh, administered thing. So, until it, it's, it's practically people earn zero to small amounts of 1099 income all the way up to about $100,000. And then there's a spike. And so 13% of the U.S. population um, make $100,000 to $200,000. And you can see the spike start right there. 
and then it curves up. And that's the 20% of the top earners in the world. And they all own their own business. 72%, if you make a million dollars, 72% of the people who make a million or more Got, got their income from owning a business. All right, if you're going to own a business, network marketing is real simple. People confuse this thing. I have seen even our associations that, that you know, defend us and things like that. They can't get the definition right, yeah. all right? They say, you know, network marketing, uh, those companies that, uh, you know, like um, direct sales, those products sold outside the retail store. Man, they need to update that. <laughs> You mean like Amazon? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like 90% of money uh, of it comes out of there now. Um, so network marketing is so simple, guys. Network marketing is just simply a group of people called executives get together. They uh, create some products. They um, create some policies. They create some culture. And then they offer you something. They offer you the opportunity for upside potential on what you build. That's it. It's not a complicated thing. People go describe this thing in all kinds of ways. But if you build a sales team and you build it, they are giving you, in essence, an upside shot. Okay? And you don't get that as a job. When you go get a job, there's a group of executives who form a corporation and they create a culture, they create a product, and then they offer you what? A job. Right. All right. They offer you a job and that's what they give you. What we get is business ownership with the upside potential, but we don't have to do all of that other stuff. And so once you get into a network marketing company, I have given you the formula and it does not, it hasn't changed in the 30 years that I've been doing this. It works every time somebody execute it. And so Richard, my com communication to you, your listeners, <laughs> you, to everybody is train this stuff, drill it, okay? Drill it and drill it and drill it. And you can't fail. Train it until you, you can't do it wrong. You train it until you can't do it wrong. Um, and, and go check it. out Brilliant Compensation. Like if you want to hear Tim's views on how this works and why it works and how you can make it work for you, Go check out brilliantcompensation.com. It may have been created 20 years ago, but it's still as relevant today as it was then. We but, have updated it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> when people, I would still have the big mustache, the, uh, the Master Chief mustache. <laughs> Tim, you're a treasure to our profession. Uh, we literally could do this all day. You, uh, I got to get me one of those boards. That's the trickiest thing I've seen in a long time. They are uh, so fun. Yeah, the jam board. I'm going to load that up with all my slides. Uh, I missed you, my friend, and uh, the network marketing profession misses you. I, I got to catch you, uh, I guess, the last couple of years at GoPro, which was a treat to hear you uh, share with the profession how you do things. Our, our profession longs for the professionalism, the attention to detail, preciseness, the discipline that you bring, and the result of, of you bringing that is people succeed on purpose. Like it doesn't have to be by accident, doesn't have to be random, doesn't have to be one-tenth of one percent. It can be you. 
It can be any of you out there. Just do the work, right? That's all there is and there ain't no more. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Hey, everybody, thanks for joining us for Hero Call number 108. This is one you can listen to about a dozen times to pull all the nuggets out. Thank you for joining us. We'll catch you in a couple of weeks. Richard Brook, over and out. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. If you are inspired and are ready to create your own success story, then it is time to take advantage of some of the top network marketing tools available. Pick up the top recruiting tool that has prospects saying, yes, the four-year career and the four-year career for women. Get your mindset right. Without a clear vision, success is lost. Check out the best-selling book on vision, Mach 2 with your hair on fire. Learn to think like a successful person with this step-by-step -step guide on how to break through your self-imposed limitations. Mach 2 Vision Training is a 90-minute four-part video training where you get Richard to walk you through crafting your vision. It's a must for anyone looking to step outside the box and hit the ground running. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles. This success story is not typical. It is meant to inspire you and show you what's possible. It is not what you should expect to accomplish. Your income will depend entirely on you, your commitment, your work ethic, your leadership, and your ability to acquire customers and inspire sales leaders to join your team. Most people who start off intending to build a sales team do not maintain their motivation to continue.